Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 13th of November 2022. Instruments have detected something else. Fast moving, coming from the asteroid belt. It's a rock, a smaller asteroid. It's just shot out from the belt, coming towards us. Jimmy, Jimmy, warn the ship. Pilot, this is Lieutenant Tan. We have a projectile incoming at high speed. Very high speed, closing fast. Well, it's incredible. Sound the general alarm. If it doesn't hit, it'll be close. Uh, let's go. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Any moment now, we'll be visiting the danger zone of the Good Review Guide, investigating Thunderbirds, peril in Peru. Thunderbirds are go. Then we go behind the scenes with Unit Nemesis 3, Objective Earth. Volpreen Encounter by Andrew Smith. Wow. My name is Ingrid Oliver and I have been playing Osgood all week. Following that, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. In our also available segment, it's Star Cops 3.1, The High Frontier 1, Daleks nil. Dead Air by Roland Moore. The Daleks bit I added in myself. You don't say. It's a timed explosive device. A bloody bomb. Don't move it. Oh, my God. Move away. Uh, can you stop it? Further back! Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Benji, give us a time-bending clip. You're trying to unite two feuding families. That's right. Royal families, no less. I hope that was time-bending enough. I just I just wanted to say time-bending. Uh, and then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's Unit Nemesis 3, Objective Earth, Volpreen Encounter by Andrew Smith. Where are you? Chucky, please, if you can hear me, answer me. Are you in there? Jackie, I... Oh. Oh, my. So, what have we been watching, Benji? Not that we've been watching anything together. I mean, we've not been watching anything together, but we've pretty much just talked about it. I'm doing a a first Doctor rewatch, actually. Um, of going through the old first Doctor things, I just wanted to do it, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm I've, just yeah. loving it. I'm really loving it. It's. I've had this sort of rule, and the rule is, is that I turn my phone off when I watch it because I just want to watch it. Because so many things now, we pick up our phones and we're, we're. We do. We distract ourselves all the time. It's. It's. And it's. You know. There were. De- I. I miss the days where when you watch something, you sit down and you just watch it, and you get completely consumed by it. And I realised that a lot of my thoughts and takes of old Doctor Who that have kind of formulated in modern years have been because I'm just not watching it properly. I'm not sitting and really enjoying it. So I sat through all of Unearthly Child and, and loved it. And I always mm, found I it, remember you said uh, it. Yeah. I, yeah, I always found it a little bit, you know, just lots of people chatting about fire. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed Where it. Has the fire gone? And it's just the whole thing, is it? I am leader now. Um and now I'm, I've just finished um, The Daleks. And, I mean, I love that story anyway, so I'm not really going to 
I mean, apart from I was saying to Nick, that whole episode in the cave, just it's, it's just <laughs> the it's, polystyrene cave. There's that brilliant oh. moment where is it Barbara who accidentally pulls off a section of the cave <laughs> and they're stuck there with this big white thing between them. You 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 can see them thinking, shall I put my elbow in front of that? Oh no, we'll just have to carry on, won't we? Yeah. I haven't got the time. We haven't got the time. I remember seeing that at the um, National Film Theatre when they screened it there all those years and years ago, and just think, and of course it looks so big on the screen, the big white. <laughs> It stands out. It really stands out. And they're stuck with that shot for ages, aren't they? They just hold the shot. There's nothing to cut to. There's nothing you can do. And you're in a dark... They're meant to be in a really dark environment. Then it's it's there like a beacon. You think, oh, maybe if we just pull off more of the wall, we can see better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's an incredible feat, I would say. Um, yes, they both had incredible feet. Lovely, very dainty. Barbara and Ian, yes. Very dainty feet. Um, it's incredible watching it back because you have to marvel at just how much they did with Lime Grove Studios. Yeah, And it's, it's a small and by that time really old-fashioned, you know, sort of facility. And to create, I would say, especially, you know, at certain times in this, pretty convincing sets. I mean, I actually love that. The set I really enjoy, obviously, all the Dardic stuff is gorgeous. Mm, um, mm. But I really enjoy the, the where the TARDIS actually is and the sort of Thal camp that magically formulates around it. Yes. Um, I quite like all of that there. I think it's actually, there's something really, I don't know, I, I believe it when I watch it. I mean, even yes. though some of the trees look like they're made of paper. Um, but they're, cause well, they're, they're probably petrified. Are. Petrified. petrified paper uh, <laughs> from Hewitt Packard. Um, it's, it's, you know, you know it's... Um, I just thought, wow, this is great, but it feels like what a treat to watch it. And I, That's I felt beautiful, very, isn't it? I felt very privileged that I was able to watch it because you know so much of Doctor Who is missing and gone, and you know I know we've got we've got a lot of it back, but to be able to watch this old bit of telly that at the time was just being made, you know, it wasn't being made for any particular reason for that people in a million years time are going to watch it. It was just being made, you know, it was a television show. Yeah, yeah. So to see it all these years later. And I said to you, I, I've sort of almost starting to form this controversial view of Doctor Who where I really enjoy the lack of law at this point. Like the lack of, it's just a, a guy in a ship with these, you know, teachers and a granddaughter. We don't know anything about the Time Lords. Yeah, no baggage. About, yeah. There's no baggage. It's just really simple adventures. I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm like, this is nice. This is really, like, it's that whole thing. Like, I wonder where they'll be next week. I mean, obviously I know because I'm a saddo. But, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that idea. I like that. And I like the mystery behind the TARDIS. And it's it's just, you know, all this, even the stuff like, oh, yes, I have to work out the coordinates and, and sitting there with, you know, the computers and, you know, yeah. calculate well, and, our and, position. And, you know, when we have scripts done for our new first Doctor Adventures with Stephen Noonan, they asked Stephen, you get your mention in this week's podcast. It? It's not been mentioned for a few weeks. It's true. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I always uh, cut all the stuff where, because the writers put in references to Time Lords and stuff. Uh, and I always just cut all that. And even though, of course, he was a Time Lord, he just didn't say it in those days. And I think, by and large, unless there's a very good excuse, we should stay. Um, loyal to that intent of the original show or the reality of the original show we don't want the first doctor going around saying i am a time lord and you think he didn't say that did he it's not yeah it's it's it is that thing of of obviously now we know he was a time lord and and all that business there but there is something certainly at that point in time time lords didn't exist and all we knew is that he was either an alien or he was 
sort of from the very, very far future. I mean, he sort of says he's from a different world, doesn't he? Mm, yeah. So They were Schrodinger's Time Lords. <laughs> they neither well, existed... Nor did they uh, unexist, yeah. um, yes. if, if that's a word. But I, I enjoyed it. I like the simplicity of it, and I felt very... I, I, I found it very re- rewarding to watch, and I'm, I'm looking forward to... To continuing, you know, with, with the, the edge of destruction, which I like, and I know some people don't like it. I find it quite hard going. I quite like. I quite like what they're trying to. I mean, obviously, it's the. I, it's like, I feel episode. like I can hear the typing, the frantic typing <laughs> over a weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's, but but I would say this: it would make a good play. You could you could actually yeah. make quite a good play out of it. It'd be a fun, be a quite fun one for. Yeah. Be a fun one to do, like like at a convention, like for Doctor Who fans. I think it'd be quite fun to do that on stage. Oh, yeah, like just you know, it's a self-contained little Ooh, thing. I'm liking that idea. There we go. You can have that one, mate. You can have Thank that you. one. Thank you. Um, um, I, you know, as I've said to you, I love watching. I've gone back and watched so many of the first Doctor stories since doing the first Doctor Adventures with Stephen, and really fallen sort of back in love with William Hartnell's portrayal. Uh, the kind of love I had for it before I'd seen any of the episodes again. And then, you know, as quite a pedantic, um, you know, youngster, you, you notice all the rough edges of the performance and, and you kind of, you end up, you know, joining that sort of mass of people who are a little bit disparaging about it. And I don't think, I think it's true, this may be controversial, that I don't think many Doctor Who fans watch a lot of the first Doctor. And it's really worth going back and watching it with an open heart because I've really, you really see the skill of William Hartnell in spite of all the things that were working against him. A, that he was actually ill, unbeknownst to him. And B, the massive punishing schedule. I think he does a phenomenal job, actually. He's yeah. a fascinating performance and so... Uh, mercurial so and shifting it's just incredible and 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 actually you know Paul Stephen Noonan by taking it on has been given the, possibly the most difficult job in the history of Doctor Who in any form I would say and what he's done is is amazing actually and I find it such a thrill uh, to work on these I'm working on the music for for one of the ones I've written for the upcoming box set now it's just delightful really well isn't it incredible to think as well you know that can you imagine saying to William Hartnell you know in all these years to come these we people would st- a, still be watching them and still being excited when new releases come out but also that we are playing you know tribute to what he's doing and continuing those adventures on it's it's absolutely astounding you know it's this doesn't happen for many television series if you know not really any at all get this treatment that we do no. but it, like you say it must have been very difficult for him because it's even for Patrick Troughton, you know exactly what you you know what to riff on because you know you can say you can just say I you know I'll watch some Doctor Who before you know before the job. Everybody would have seen Doctor Who by this point, so you know what to expect. But when you're William Hartnell and you've got such an open-ended idea, because that's what Doctor Who at this early point was. It was a sort of idea that nobody'd really quite figured it out yet. It was lots of interesting things to be able to create a well-rounded and respectable performance out of it as well that stands up and is and is endearing and and is interesting it's quite remarkable and for children's mm-hmm. telly as well i know we say it's family drama now but this is for kids it's like it was for kids at the time you know that sort of early evening children will be watching this so to give a really good performance as well and think about it and care about it 
I think it, you know, says everything. Yeah, I mean, I know we're very, very close to Doctor Who, so we see all the intricate dis- differences in it. And people who are less into Doctor Who or not into Doctor Who at all, it's further away, and it just all it all just looks like nonsense to them. But I think it it is Doctor Who is unique, absolutely. Um, can we talk about eighties music quickly? We we can we can certainly talk about eighties music. Um, well, what I mean, I don't I been... know what to say about it. <laughs> it's a it's thing. Martin Kemp hasn't he just released a book? He's just released a book on the music of the eighties, Has hasn't he? Has he? Well, I don't know well. why I'm promoting Martin Kemp's book. <laughs> and here he is now. I've just got my my um, my Spotify playlist to see if there's anything from the eighties. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of the um, the Cocteau Twins. Um, I've got a bit of Japan on here. Life in Tokyo. Oh wow, wow, yeah. yeah. I yeah. used to love Japan. Japan, Japan are great. Some of their stuff is really dark, like quite kind mm. of dark. And uh, I remember I the it. singer used to sound a bit like Brian Ferry, didn't he? Yes, yeah. I tell you, who also sounds like Brian Ferry is um, it's Brian the, Ferry. Is Brian the Arctic Monkeys now just sound like Brian Ferry? It's really funny. Really? Yeah. It's just. I, I think it's not. It's certainly, their last album was very like. Oh, he's riffing on Brian Ferry. Then they just done a new album, and it's just like, oh, he's just—he's still riffing. He just wants to be Brian Ferry by this point. Well, not a bad uh, thing. Uh, my wife hates Brian Ferry. She hates his music. She really? hates Roxy music. Yeah. So every now and again, I play "Over You" really loudly, <laughs> just to, just to rub it <laughs> salt in the wound. I have to say, my I love that track. Is, by the way, "Over You." I love. I mean. That's over, and that's Avalon. Avalon. Um, <laughs> they're all the same, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I'm much, I'm much more a fan of Brian Ferry stuff than Roxy music, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I you don't see, know. I say Roxy music, and you say Roxy music. Roxy music. I mean, no, was, it's Roxy what was, what music. Was, what was the one that we had the other day? That Human we had League. It's mentioned. Human League. Yeah, yeah the Human the League. Human League. Um, anybody like the, the Human, Human League? League? It's the it's Human League. League. But it's the Human League. That's not that. <laughs> the well, Bundesliga David, wasn't it David agreed with me didn't he did it well there we go you know it's gen- is it generational or is it just me I think it's generational the human league that's how they that's what they used to call it on top of the pops okay well there yeah maybe you've got that like that's kind of imprinted yeah. in your and as opposed to, you know, it's not like there's loads of other leagues and this one's human. It's more like there's hu- loads of humans and this is the human league. But th- this is where the, the, the philosopher in me comes out. Is that, but, <laughs> but, it, but I can just say, but is it? Yeah. Because it, could, because it, it, it thanks well, for you your know, help there. This, this, is this the human We're revisiting group? this issue later in the podcast, okay. I have to warn you. Well, in that case, we'll let's say nothing continue. about it. We'll just go, yeah, well, I'm not talking about it. No, no, no. No complications. Well, time now, of course, for our... It's, it's the Good Review Guide now. It finds the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them. For you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Thunderbirds, Peril in Peru. Five. Four. Three. Subterranean pressure is building up off the Peruvian coast. Dad, this could mean great devastation. Argon, dare me. Where is the secret base of international rescue? No! If those boys shouldn't come back. Anderson Entertainment presents Thunderbirds Peril in Peru. 
Just go to bigfinish.com and type Peru into the search pane to find this one. How do you spell Peru? P-E-R and three O's. No, it's Mm. a U. (laughs) So first up, we've got um, Stuart A. Moir, um, or Moir. I think it's Moir. I don't know. We don't know, Stuart. Let us know. Could be Stuart A. Moir or Stuart A.M. He wakes up in the morning. Moir. Um, (laughs) You know. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's it. <laughs> like there we go. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, he's Bagpuss. You can be that metal bird, and I'll just be the <laughs> yes. little. I'll be the little mice. Um, we will fix it. <laughs> um, well, Stuart says just finished Thunderbirds Peril in Peru from Jerry Anderson TV, adapted by Chris Darling. That's Chris Dale. Uh, excellent work from the team, presenting a fast-paced drama with well-loved characters. Thoroughly recommend to those familiar or unfamiliar, or it says unf- unfamiliar, with the worlds of Jerry Anderson. Uh, this is from uh, Andrew on Sea Air. Thunderbirds, hashtag Thunderbirds. Peril in Peru couldn't impress me enough. Such a fab, in capital letters, Eulis audio adaptation of John Thaden's novel by at Jerry Anderson TV stroke big finish with plenty of thrills and childhood nostalgia well done to all the cast and crew well Rosebud 2 on Audible uh, says oh I absolutely loved this audiobook great story with the right balance of characters story rescues and excellently performed by the cast it seemed to be over far too quickly I was gripped from start to finish more please Mm-hmm. More, please. More, please. Uh, Waiter. Uh, uh, James, served. James J, uh, hey. writing on jerryanderson.com, said, This was a joy to listen to. The music brought me out in goosebumps nearly every time it played, and the voice actors are doing a fantastic job. Well, Robin M at jerryanderson.com says, These are a terrific way to relive the adventures experienced in our youth. Greatly enhanced and without the eye strain for us, older fans. <laughs> Old. also released as books, you see. Uh, uh, P- books. Paul C. I was going to say PC. Paul C. PC, <laughs> PC Paul. PC evening, Paul. Evening all. Hey all. Uh, Writing on jerryanderson.com says, I always enjoy these stories enormously, enormously, as they really evoke the feels of the series I remember. Oh, it says feels, sorry. I added in the. I was so anxious to be young and trendy, I wanted to say feels. <laughs> uh, the feel of the series I remember from repeats during my childhood. I will keep a close eye on your newsletters for any future releases in this format. Mm. Well, Rail Rocket Ricky. Uh, what a name on YouTube says once again the Thunderbirds audio cast is outstanding as ever voicing the regular cast as well as many guest characters and I'm looking forward to more international rescue adventures hmm I didn't know he was American Uh, that's and he wasn't Uh, that's it for the reviews (laughs) this week next time we'll be talking about Doctor Who Stranded 3 starring Paul McGann as the Doctor with Nicola Walker and Hattie Morahan Lovely jubbly. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails, a preview of StarCop's The High Frontier, and we'll be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And that's with the Randomoid Selectatron! Oh, I can't wait. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with Unit Nemesis 3, Objective Earth, Volprene Encounter by Andrew Smith. Over to you, Andy. I'm Andrew Smith, the writer of the opening episode of this box set, The Valprene Encounter, and I'm also uh, one of the script editors on this. 
set. This is Unit Scientific Advisor Osgood, on board the UK Space Agency ship Starseeker. Mission update, day three, first entry. It was in the original plan right from the start, right before we'd written the first box set, we're going to have the Starseeker. And we'd have unit characters, and we all kind of knew Osgood would be on board, going out and meeting the Volprene in some way. And so we very deliberately set that up in the opening episode of the previous box set, that there was this spaceship under construction. So we got Osgood and her fairly new character, Lieutenant Jim, Jimmy Tan, going out into space to meet the Volprene asteroid ship, what turns out to be the Volprene asteroid ship, and have their adventures on that. What do you think of the Starseeker? <laughs> I'm impressed. I must admit I was nervous before the trip, especially as I was there when one of its test engines exploded. Mm, I told them they should never have started it up in a confined space. I still can't quite believe I'm on board a spaceship. My name is Ingrid Oliver and I have been playing Osgood all week. It's always lovely to come back and play Osgood. Um, we do Big Finish um, a couple of times a year, so it feels like I haven't. it hasn't been that long since I last played her. Um, so, yeah. It feels like putting on a pair of slippers. Being back in a studio is so much better than recording at home, mainly because I'm really, unlike my character, um, I am very bad at tech stuff. So I find it incredibly in, in, uh, frustrating. Also, it's just nice to be in a, in a building with other people. It always, it's always much nicer. And Big Finish are nice people. Not all, it's not always nice being in a building with people, because some people aren't that nice, but Big Finish are a nice crew. So yeah, I've been hugely enjoying it this week. And also there's penguin, free penguin biscuits. I'm Ken Bentley and I am responsible for directing Unit Nemesis 3. Um, it, it's always good to return to Unit. It's good fun. It's a lovely story world with a, a lovely bunch of characters, but also lovely bunch of actors playing those characters. And we always have a, a bit of a hoot when we get back together and we're increasingly being able to bring people back into the studio now. Not everybody, but we're able to bring some people back into the studio. And so it's lovely seeing each other again for the first time after the difficult couple of years of that we've had. And I tell you what, an asteroid, an object of stone that may be a piece of technology, does that remind you of anything? Uh, the Valprene arches. Exactly, whatever this thing is, it looks very much like Valprene tech. Hello, I'm Gemma Redgrave and I've been playing bum Kate Stewart. I did the first two days on um, at home, but wonderfully in a studio today and yesterday with with people with 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 my comrades with my colleagues and 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 in the same room and looking at them and everybody's it's a funny thing when you do audio drama um it's uh you do a huge amount of weird facial and physical stuff because it helps somehow get the voice um, sort of it brings it up so that you need it to be so much more descriptive of the scene really than you might be in a in a drama in a in a visual drama where you use so much of your your physical self to to describe what's going on as well as your voice so everybody looks brilliant throwing themselves around and gesticulating and making strange faces and it helps to be able to see that in a funny sort of a way. What begins is a, you know, a fairly intimate encounter between uh, Kate 
and Jackie, where Jackie's still recovering from her ordeal at the hands of the Valprene and is coping with it in this unit safe house in, in Norway. So it's isolated, it's just the two of them and just gave us opportunities to explore the characters and, and particularly Jackie and to explore what she's going through at the time. Uh, and give her a bit of a moment in the sun, really, where she, yeah, learning the, the position that they're in with the Vulpreen coming, and that she's someone who's in a unique position to gather information on what the Vulpreen are up to, kind of puts herself in jeopardy. Jackie, you asked to be placed in a safe house to help your recovery. What do you want? <laughs> you don't seem very happy to see me. I asked for this because I wanted to be alone. Total seclusion. No visitors. Well, there wasn't any way to give you notice. The techies tell me you've dropped the internet link and disconnected the phone line. Kate starts every story in the same, in, in, sort of in the same vein. It's a um, quiet day until the first page and something and a meteor hits the earth and it's action stations. And she is, as she says, um, slightly grumpily, unit never sleeps. So we ought to make that our motto. Resignedly, perhaps, rather than grumpily. That's where we meet Kate, ready for action. I'm still on Earth, where I just received your update, Osgood. Thanks for that. Well, you picked a good time to join us. We've got the object in sight. Is it still on course for Earth? I'll check. So that, that was quite nice to do. And at the same time, decided to keep it fairly tight in terms of cast. And so we have really a couple of two-handers going on. Those scenes with Kate and Jackie in particular reminded me very much of uh, some scenes that I wrote for Survivors in the past. It takes more, it takes more time to do those scenes, but they are very, very rewarding when you, know, when you feel that they, they've worked out. And you kind of think, I think actors tend to like this sort of thing as well. And today, we, you know, Gemma and Tracy have been recording these scenes and have been very complimentary, and it's sounded pretty good. So I'm Tracy Wells. I play Jackie McGee. She's not in a great place, and I mean that in her mind, and she's not in a great place, but it's where she wants to be physically. She's separated from everybody. She's in a safe house, as you know, so that's, yeah, it's where she wants to be. She gets a visit from lovely Kate, who, yeah, the, uh... It's not a, a very welcome visit and uh, she's quite hostile toward her. And so at the beginning, because of what she's been through, you're a bit unsure of her really, of how safe it is, I would say, to be around her, I, I think. Um, Andrew's script uh, in the, all the sort of two-hander things, purely as an actor, was lovely because it, it was just a, a different... There wasn't, there wasn't any of the jokey... Well, there wasn't much jokey quips. There's been a lot of jokey quips with Jackie over the years and to kind of change and just get out of... Sort of you know, just rather than see things deeply, she'll just may say something funny. Whereas here, she had to face up to a lot of um, inner demons, not, not caused by herself, but caused by past trauma. And I thought, um, you know, Kate was, was very good with her and cares about her in the moment, yeah. But I don't see what they're for. What, what is all this about? These are my memories. There's no answer. Well, it's the only answer you'll get for now. If you'd like to get out, I'll prepare the spare room. No, we need to talk some more. Maybe in the morning. You're fobbing me off. Let me sleep on it. And you'll find this exciting unit adventure at bigfinish.com. Just type Objective Earth into the search pane to find it. Good. Whatever Time it now is. for... Yes. Uh, oh, listeners' emails. <laughs> Uh, 
that's it. Grab your torches, light your candles, and head into the unknown because we're looking for emails today. <laughs> and uh, you might even find one up there. Yes, up there. Yes. Um, all you have to do. So close, you can feel it. I <laughs> <laughs> um, was, I was a surprisingly convincing. Whisk, sort of, you know, wisp of smoke. Uh, you just have to send them into podcast.bitfinish.com. Send them in, and you may get them read out. Uh, first up, this is from Nick Farraza. Uh, <laughs> subject of this one is the Human League, or just ah! Human League, Human League. Ah! Dear Nick and Benji, Human League. Emphasis on the human, human league. Regards, Nick. P.S. Be sure to read this with an upwards inflection, as I am Australian. Um, as I'm Australian? Are you? Everything's Be a sure to read with this with an upward inflection, inflection, as I'm Australian. Dear Nick and Benji. <laughs> Next um, up. Uh, talking of Australia, actually, this is from uh, Philip Pedney. Uh, hey, guys. <laughs> hope you are well. Hope this is useful. <laughs> that we're just catching up with some of uh, Philip's reviews. Um, we got out of sequence because he was sending them in for the good review guy. But this is for New Dawn One Survivors. New Dawn One ah, Survivors has always yes. been one of the most realistic and harrowing series that Big Finish made. When the apparently last box set was released in 2018, it felt like the end of an era. The announcement that Survivors was returning and a new run called New Dawn was very welcome. The first box set has three unrelenting stories that plunge our lead straight back into action and danger. It is set many years after the previous story and there is hope that the world should be settling and be a better place. Sadly, that hope is not realised. Otherwise, there'd be no story. It'd just be people sitting around drinking tea, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tethered by Andrew Smith. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. <laughs> I thought that was someone's pastime. Anyway, <laughs> Tethered by Andrew Smith begins with Abby brilliantly played by Carolyn Seymour, returning to England. The story starts in grief, but within minutes you are horrified, along with Abby, by an event that occurs. Oh yeah, it's really harrowing. Oh gosh. I did the music for this, I regularly burst into tears. As the danger increases... Yeah, yeah. Oh mate, you did the sound design, did you, on this? Certainly did, yeah. yeah. Certainly it's your did. fault. <laughs> As the danger <laughs> increases, it is apparent what a master storyteller Andrew Smith is. The master. And few understand these characters better than him. My Generation by Catherine Armitage explores what it is like for the new generation of young adults who have no memory of the death. How do they get incorporated into society? Lucy Fleming and Louise Jameson shine in this episode. But the more we love these performances and these characters, the more we need to stress about what lies around the corner. Oh, stress about, I see. Stress about rather than stress. Yeah. Hmm. I hope someone's listening. Uh, finally, Roland Moore brings his view of this, wor this world, its dangers and its horrors, onto the canvas with Behind You. Oh, yeah, this is... Um, really uh, dark, Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, it is. Behind uh, a you. A chilling psychological horror. The pacing of this story is perfect, and with a number of clever storytelling devices... <laughs> just my storytelling device. Uh, you can never feel at ease. 
the director Ken Bentley as always gets strong performances out of his cast and all the leads shine the music by Nicholas Briggs oh this is good I didn't know this is terrible oh damn no, oh, is uh, chilling and emotion charged Nick demonstrates his love of this era of television with every note that he writes similarly Benji Clifford has laboured over the soundscape Aww. to provide the most realistic <coughs> excuse me realistic <laughs> backdrop to the stories as possible uh, this box is a must get and a must listen Philip Edney the sirens of audio hi there hi there lovely review lovely review mm. I, well i loved the the end sequence to this to this episode which is pretty mental anyway yeah, yeah um yeah. I, I remember i had great pleasure in uh, in doing the sound design of somebody shooting a flower pot and hearing all the, <laughs> all, the all the the and jonathan rigby's performance in oh, that so good really ch- chilling it's so yeah. chilling it's it's and certainly for for a lot of it as well, it's it, you kind of get that it's almost a two hander for a lot of it with Carolyn Seymour and um, him for, yes. for a great deal of the story, and it's um it's really good. I mean, it's you know, really it's a safe pair of hands, but um, I'd say you know it's well worth a listen. But um, that yeah, you know, it's, I mean, I could wax lyrical about why I love Survivors all day long, but if you like something that's a little bit different to to normal Big Finish offerings, go check it out. Um, and that's what uh, Christopher Bennett's uh, riffing on here as well uh, says hello I very much enjoy your Survivors releases and was wondering if you had any plans for more devoted big finish listener here been with you since the start and I still have the original Benice releases on cassette signed by the cast wow that's impressive um, keep hold of that um, thanks for all the great work and many many years of listening pleasure yours Christopher Bennett Thank you, Christopher. Uh, yes, there will be more survivors. So there you have it. Uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for your great emails, which, as I always say, we really enjoy reading out. Uh, more next time. Sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Keep them coming. Well, the Randomoids Electrotron is waiting in the wings to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Wow. But that's amazing. Yeah, well, well I know. I know. <laughs> but before... And it is amazing, by the way. I know. But before that, it's amazing. I know. Remember... Remember Star Cops on TV in the 1980s, a rare sci-fi treat when sci-fi just wasn't cool on BBC television. We've been reimagining it as an audio drama with the original cast for a while now, and the latest Space Age slice of it is released this week. Star Cops, the high frontier. Let's go behind the scenes. My name is Helen Goldwyn, and I'm the director of Star Cops Series 5. Well, I can't actually believe it's been three years <laughs> since we did the last one. I, I genuinely can't believe that. I mean, obviously, we had COVID in between. And in fact, I think Star Cops, yes, I'm right. Star Cops was one of the very last episodes, very last series that I worked on just before COVID hit. So, uh, yeah, it's incredible to be back in person with the same people. You know, Linda's come over from Australia all that way again, and it just feels the same as it ever did. But obviously, we've all had an interesting experience in between. I'm Andrew Smith, and I'm the script editor of uh, Star Cops, The High Frontier, set one. For this box set, uh, we'd gone off to Mars for the last uh, two box sets with a little bit of stuff on the moon. But uh, now we're back in the original environment 
that StarCops operate in, which is on the moon and in space, space stations, satellites, and on various parts of the Earth with a nice international footprint. And our characters are back, the majority of them. Priya Basu is off climbing uh, mountains. So we've promoted Pal Kenzie to acting chief superintendent. Nathan, although he's not too happy with it, is now acting Moonbase coordinator as well as being commander of the StarCops. Hello, I'm Roland Moore and I wrote Dead Air for StarCops. My inspiration for this story came from a variety of places. Um, I was given a brief by Andrew Smith of having a recluse character who had some sort of criminal past that was sort of linked perhaps to this mysterious collective. So that was one side of things. And so from that, I came up with the character of Xander, who um, I essentially saw as a sort of children's TV presenter with a history of meteorology who then through circumstances in his life, had become sort of obsessed with being in space and researching those things on this remote space station. So he was a fun character. And I think um, his space station also was sort of became a character, really, the Hattie Jakes, the fact it's all falling apart, it's all going wrong. From the moment Devis and Bailey arrive there, they know that things aren't working properly and that obviously leads into... What happens at the end? So obviously we open these new adventures with Devis and Paul being sent off to question an ex-children's TV presenter who's now working as a meteorologist living on this clapped-out space station called the Hattie Jakes, which is a great name. And he almost gets blown to blown to bits thanks to the, the hidden bomb on board. But meanwhile, we've got Kenzie investigating the death of a moon base worker and she's getting to know her via her audio recordings. Sonia has kept these audio diaries throughout her time on Moonbase. And so we see this quite delicate relationship created between Kenzie and Sonia because Kenzie really relates to Sonia. And in fact, at the end says, I reckon we could have been good mates. So it's, there's a real poignancy to, to that part of the story. My name is David Calder and I play Commander Nathan Spring. You start off by thinking you're de- dealing with a domestic issue of some kind, even it, albeit it might be a domestic murder, and that what is slowly discovered is the unknown, which is the collective. And then I think as the stories, each story which stands in its own right develops, so, of course, more knowledge and interaction with this uh, sinister group occurs. We don't know who they are yet or what they do. Philip Olivier, and I play Paul Bailey. It's a timed explosive device. A bloody bomb. Don't move it. Oh, my God. Move away. Uh, Can you stop it? Further back. Can you defuse it? It's a crude device, but I don't recognise it from my training. They discover a bomb, uh, and they're trying to find a way of how to defuse the bomb. So it's um, a few pretty tense scenes, which is always great. And it's such fun doing it with uh, Divas. The contrast in the two characters is brilliant. Yeah, and he's great. He's, he's just a joy to work with him. My name's Trevor Cooper, and I play Colin Davis. Quite a lot of the episode is tra- dealing with are we going to be able to defuse this bomb? And if not, how are we going to get off this spaceship, which is sort of a fairly elderly spaceship, and all the airlocks don't work, and every time we try and go into another room, it takes half an hour. So it's... It's, there's quite a lot of tension in it. It's a real sort of, you know, um, see the clock ticking down and us getting increasingly worried by it. I think probably when I was younger, I was more like Divas than I am now. Now, in, in the current 
climate. I don't think Davis would last very long. He'd be done. He'd be cancelled, actually, by now, for sure. You know, but uh, you slip into him like an old raincoat or something, it's just very easy to get back into him. In terms of writing for particular characters, uh, they're all great. I mean, they're <laughs> the ones that Chris Boucher thought up and the ones that Andrew has added. I could write dozens of cases for Paul and Davis, I think. They're particularly a really good double act. They have this sort of mutual respect, but they also know each other well enough now and trust each other to have this sort of banter, jokey relationship with each other. And Kenzie, I love writing for her, and Nathan. Um, they're all great, you know. Linda Newton, and I play pal Kenzie. Computer, play Sonia Garrett's very first recording. I've got my orange juice. Gonna sip it like you suggested, Sonia. Mm. I'm doing my best to imagine it's got vodka in it. She doesn't ever talk about her families, so I always believe that Kenzie doesn't have a big family and that coming to space was one way of creating a life for herself and that she certainly would have understood Sonia. She'd have loved Sonia's enthusiasm. They'd have definitely bonded, I think. I think one of my favourite moments from the story was when Xander is adamant that the reason people have died is because of aliens. It's fun to play with that idea because Star Cops doesn't do aliens, it doesn't do killer robots. It's got very much its own sort of template of what is achievable in that in that setting. And so to sort of push that by sort of implying that actually no aliens might be behind this, um, that's quite fun. Oh, I'm Xander O'Brien. Although, if you're of a certain age, I'm sure you know that already. I do know that. Oh, you are a fan? No. And remember, you'll find this at bigfinish.com by typing Star Cops into the search pane at the top. Very soon now, we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of Unit Nemesis, Objective Earth. But first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release, Human League. <laughs> I knew you thought that the second you said the way in which you said Big Finish then as well. Big, exactly. big Finish, Big Finish. Human League. <laughs> big Finish. Do you say Big Finish or Big Finish? I say Big Finish. Yeah, you see. This is a Big Finish release. Yeah. Like a large finish. You don't say it's a big finish release, do you? It could be a big finish. Or I guess on the podcast I'll say big finish. God, do, do, do you, do you ever get it when you know when you say words and you say them so many times that they <laughs> they start become to meaningless. Like I had it. Um, Try oxo. That's a good o- one. Oxo, oxo, oxo. I found it with the word <laughs> series. Uh, I was I was doing some stuff for my home media set library that I've got, and after a while of entering the word series in so many times, I was just looking at it like, what does it mean? <laughs> what is this? I well, like the word Siri. 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 You know, and, and the whole business about the coming robot revolution that she accidentally revealed to me. You remember? Yeah, that? they have to step up, because that's not happened yet. You know, I was expecting a bit of action. <laughs> um, you know, the odd... The old robot uprising. Robot dogs. I need to know. Nothing. Fine. War of the Worlds. Have you seen that with the robot dogs? Well, War of the Worlds. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I've not seen it, no. no. War of not the that, Worlds. Not that particular one with the robot dogs. The robot dogs. The robot dogs. 
the robots. Queen robots. Anyway, come on. What have you got? So it's one six five. Have you said? Have you said the the main? It's the random word selection. Yeah, I yeah, I said that. Is I know it's so long ago that you time, know, time. You'd probably have to dig it up uh, uh, through archaeology to find when I said it. <laughs> well, um, we've got one six five here. Doctor Who: The Burning Prince. The, oh right, this is um, a, a monthly range one, wasn't it? It's got an amazing cover. It really has. It's quite, yeah, quite by John Dorney, starring Peter Davison. And it was uh, directed by uh, Ken Bentley. Let's hear the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Burning Prince. And we're out of the warp stream. Adjust speed for normal space. Captain. You're trying to unite two feuding families. That's right. Royal families, no less. A battle for the crown. Not everyone from House Gadderall supports the peace initiative and the marriage, you must know that. Not everyone from House Sorsha, either. There's plenty on both sides who do anything to see this mission fail. Including kill the heir to their own throne. Lose the battle, win the war. No. An unstoppable killing machine. I see. Burn! Burn! All of you! Everybody out! Now! Bring me my wife! Bring me my wife! Ah! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Cover by Alex Mallinson, by the way. So Ah. it's going to be good, isn't it? I think it must have been feels like it was possibly one of his last covers. I don't know, but there's uh, there's great cast in here. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And Tim Trelaw is in it. Yes, he plays, was it? Tyron. Tyron, that's it. Tyron. Well, there you have it. Um, listen, Tyron. Uh, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, uh, Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount in the style, impossibly enough, of Star Cops. <laughs> how, how can I do it in the style of Star Cops? Well, I did say it was um, it's, impossible. It's just lots of people, lots of people sort of issuing orders. Oh, I'll go, go on to the, the gantry and do this. Um, <laughs> You're not selling Star Cops very well, are you? <laughs> Star Cops is very good, actually. I, I got the joy of, um, go on to of the gantry. Sit, sit, sitting in on a recording for it, and it was lovely and great fun. Lovely cast as well. Um, quite a few legends in there um if you want to get the discount i'll sort it out for you here are the instructions i'll tell you what to do just go to bigfinish.com and head to the podcasts i can't be bothered to rhyme anymore once you're on the podcast bit click read more and i'll tell you what's in store just click here it will say in the blurb have no fear enter the words buck up and you will get a cup that's buck up with no spaces and capital letters um could i rhyme with let what rhymes with letters Betters, Betters. Fra- fetters, lettuce. No, that's John, 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 John Netters, <laughs> um, kettles. Have you finished? By the way, yes, I have. Oh, yes, thank I have. Goodness. Anyway, just, go to, just yeah. go to the podcast place. Go to the blurb. Click read here. Enter the code buck up, and you'll get it. There we go. Yeah, one day it'll be easier, but never mind. Uh, that was a cheers. hard one this week. It was. It was. Cheers, Ran. Um, next week's podcast is entitled Ninth Poacher Fury," which I'm particularly <laughs> proud of as a title. 
<laughs> you did well. You did very well. Because it features the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston, in Hidden Depths. The latest tortured release, The Lincolnshire Poacher. Exactly. And the late there was a and there was a countermeasures episode that featured that as well. There was. It? You're right. You're completely right. And the latest full cast Thunderbirds release, Fire and Fury, you see. So, Ninth Poacher Fury is how it uh, Not to be missed. Hugely exciting stuff. Well, thanks again for you all for listening. The Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. He also wrote, produced, and edited it. That's true. Edited it, edited it, edited it. It's a little, little exercise for you there, folks. And both Benji and I did this. For the love of stories. Oh, you did. Time now for Unit Nemesis, or Unit Nemesis. Objective Earth, Volpreen Encounter, or rather, The Volpreen Encounter, by Andrew Smith. Got to the end of that sentence eventually. Well done, well done. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. This is Unit Scientific Advisor Osgood, on board the UK Space Agency ship Starseeker. Mission update, day three, first entry. The crystal resonance engines, adapted from Black Archive alien technology, are being used at low power for their maiden flight. Even so, we've covered 120 million miles in just over 48 hours. We had to launch the Starseeker ahead of schedule to deal with the emergency, but so far it has more than lived up to expectations. Speaking of the emergency, we've just passed the orbit of Mars and the object should be in visual range shortly. It has just emerged from the asteroid belt ahead of us. From the Earth tracking imagery, it appears to be an asteroid, but its dimensions are unusual. Over 40 miles in length and about five miles across. Osgood, I've got... Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were recording. I've just been joined by Lieutenant Tan. It's all right, Jimmy, I'm about to wrap up. Cool. Report ends. Submitted for the attention of Unit Headquarters Geneva and Kate Stewart in London. Priority one. And send. Gone. What have you got for me, Jimmy? The chief pilot says we're minutes away from a visual fix. I'll power up the forward screen. What do you think of the Starseeker? I'm impressed. 
I must admit I was nervous before the trip. Especially as I was there when one of its test engines exploded. Mm, I told them they should never have started it up in a confined space. I still can't quite believe I'm on board a spaceship. Although, Jimmy Tan, astronaut, I like that. Oh, there it is. Top of the screen. Just coming into our sector. The ship's turning. The pilot's putting us on an intercept course. Funny-looking asteroid, if that's what it is. Almost ten times as long as it is wide. That's odd right enough. Oh, hello. What's that noise? Did it come from your pocket? We've got a visitor. Hello, Kate. Hello, Oscar. Jimmy. Oh, ma'am. Uh, how... Did, did we beam you up or something? Oh, sorry. I should have briefed you on this. It's a hologram projector. I'm still on Earth, where I just received your update, Osgood. Thanks for that. Well, you picked a good time to join us. We've got the object in sight. Is it still on course for Earth? I'll check. How does it feel to be a full member of the unit, Jimmy? Well, I enjoyed my attachment, ma'am, but being on the books full-time feels good. Thanks for taking me on. Always happy to recruit good people, and you proved your worth with the Eleven and the Woolwich business. Yes, it's still on course for Earth, and at current... Oh, well, it's slowing down. Uh but how can it? It can't. Not if it's a common or garden asteroid. It's clearly neither common nor garden. Nothing's unlikely to have entered the solar system by accident. It's alien. And I think we can all guess which aliens. The instruments are picking up... Well, there's an emission from the object. Some kind of energy field. Instruments have detected something else. Fast moving, coming from the asteroid belt. It's a rock, a smaller asteroid. It's just shot out from the belt, coming towards us. Jimmy, Jimmy, warn the ship. Pilot, this is Lieutenant Tan. We have a projectile incoming at high speed. Very high speed, closing fast. Well, it's incredible. Sound the general alarm. If it doesn't hit, it'll be close. It missed us, but only just. Presumably that was connected to the energy field given off by our asteroid. Osgood? It's the only answer, that it somehow plucked the rock out of the asteroid belt and, well, threw it at us. Assuming it was intended to hit the Starseeker. I say we should assume that was a hostile act. There's still the fact that the large asteroid slowed down. It's almost stationary now. But how? Does it have a drive system? Well, there's nothing obvious. No engine ducts, no outlets of any kind. But it's clearly under some kind of control, possibly remote. Well, I I've learned all I can from this range, which isn't much. It needs closer investigation. I'll take my squad across on a shuttle and have a look. Osgood, is that safe? Well, defined safe. That energy field is a concern, but at least we know to look out for flying rocks. I'd like you to accompany the lieutenant and his team. I was going to suggest it. And I tell you what, an asteroid, an object of stone that may be a piece of technology, does that remind you of anything? Uh. The Valprene Arches. Exactly. Whatever this thing is, it looks very much like Valprene tech. The Eleven said they'd be on their way. He also said they'd be here in force. That's one asteroid. One very strange asteroid. Go over there, check it out at close quarters, but, but take great care. Will do. We'll contact you in London with the result. Oh, I'm not in London. I'm at Tromso in Norway. Oh, you're visiting the safe house. I I'm glad you made time for that. I've been worried about her. 
It was meant to be a welfare visit, but it could have another purpose now. Listen, I've got to go. The unit helicopter that's taking me to the island is ready to leave, and I want to arrive before dark. We'll keep you posted. Safe journey. And to you, even more so. Goodbye for now. All right, pilot, I'm ready to go. Turn to base. I'll call in the morning when I'm ready to come back. Ma'am. you. Hello, Jackie. Can I come in? Don't see how I can stop you. Unit owns this house, doesn't it? Thank you. Well, this is nice. Or mod cons. It's still a unit prison of sorts. Jackie, you asked to be placed in a safe house to help your recovery. What do you want? You don't seem very happy to see me. I asked for this because I wanted to be alone. Total seclusion. No visitors. Well, there wasn't any way to give you notice. The techies tell me you've dropped the internet link and disconnected the phone line. If I need you, I can contact you. You gave me this, remember? A unit cloud transmitter. Yes, I remember. You seemed reluctant when I showed you how to use it. And I took it in. Voice recognition, yes? Watch. This is Jackie McGee. Jackie McGee. Identity and voice pattern confirmed. Authorized by Kate Stewart to access unit cloud, dark level. Proceed with your message. No message. So, if I need you, I'll call you. I'm here because I was worried about you. That's nice, but as you see, I'm fine, so you can leave now. Your behaviour doesn't seem fine to me. You went through a horrible ordeal with the Valpreen. So did you. You were their prisoner for longer, and they didn't brainwash me like they did you. My injuries have healed. How about yours? I said I'm fine. Well, we'll see. Why don't we discuss this over a cup of tea? This will be the kitchen through here, I take it. Kate, when are you going to tell me about the other thing? What, the other thing? The Valpreen are back, aren't they? We don't know for sure, but yes, it's likely. But how, how could you know? I'm a journalist. Let's say I have a journalist's nose for a story. A, a journalist with no internet or phone line? How exactly does that nose work? Well, I didn't think you'd come all this way for a social call. I figured there must be something else. As it happens, I did come to see how you are, but yes, there have been developments. A few days ago, an unusual asteroid entered the solar system. Osgood's taken the Starseeker to investigate, but she suspects it's under Valpreen control. Sounds like you've got more important things to deal with than me, back in London. Well, my pilot isn't coming until the morning, so I'm afraid you're stuck with me. Seems I am. Right, you can stay the night, there's a spare room, but tomorrow you should leave. 
You know the Valpreen, their way of thinking, better than anyone. If you're up to it, you could be of great help. I just spent months trying to forget about them. Now, if you don't mind, I've got to check the generator. It's nearly dark. It's been glitchy lately. Jackie. What? I don't buy that journalist's nose thing. Tell me how you knew about the Valpreen. I'll only be a few minutes. Starseeker, this is Lieutenant Tan. All shuttle systems are green, ready for flight. Copy that, Lieutenant. Opening cargo bay doors. Doors open, launching now. Shuttle is clear of the cargo bay and we're on our way. See you soon, Starseeker. Shuttle out. I've set a course for the asteroid. We should be within optimum scanning range in about two hours. I wonder what we'll find. Trouble, possibly. I've got half a dozen heavily armed unit squaddies with us for just that eventuality. Let's hope that's enough. Jackie! Are you out here? Jackie! I'm in the generator shack. This generator powers the whole house? This one, and there's a backup. They run on liquid propane. The connector's been unreliable. But we're good. You'll have hot water for a shower in the morning. Good to know. Just before you leave. We'll see about that. Oh, I have to take this. I'm not stopping you. Yeah, Kate Stewart. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Right, thank you. And, and let me know when they report back in. Osgood and Jimmy are on their way. Jackie? Jackie? Are you upstairs? Where are you? Jackie, please, if you can hear me, answer me. Are you in there? Jackie, I... Oh. Oh, my. Oh, Jackie. I, I don't think you're fine at all. You shouldn't be in here. Oh, you made me jump. I said you shouldn't be in here. What is all this? Isn't it obvious? Like, I can see what they are. Photos, news cuttings, magazine articles, photos of, photos of you when you were younger and presumably family and friends. That's right. Articles you've written, articles, articles by others. More photos, a schoolgirl with a swimming trophy. You on a on a family holiday, a a first boyfriend, a 
school certificate for essay writing. Can you get out now, please? They cover every inch like wallpaper. But but I don't see what they're for. What, What is all this about? These are my memories. There's no answer. Well, it's the only answer you'll get for now. If you'd like to get out, I'll prepare the spare room. No, we need to talk some more. Maybe in the morning. You're fobbing me off. Let me sleep on it. Please, Kate. All right. So long as I get some answers. What was your phone call? Osgood and Jimmy have taken a shuttle to have a closer look at the asteroid or or whatever it is. They shouldn't do that. It could be dangerous. Is that your journalist's nose again or something else? If you know something, you must tell me. Kate, if I knew they were flying into danger, I'd tell you, but I don't know anything. I just feel that they should take great care. I'll get your room ready. 